Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Good afternoon. My name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here. Today we have started Advent, the Christmas season on the church calendar. And today I get to say Merry Christmas, friends and family. I love saying Merry Christmas. Whether this season brings you sorrow or joy or a bittersweet mix of both, together we are in the time of lights and songs and gifts and, most importantly, the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, this year, we're going to do for our sermon series an extension of Pastor Gay's brilliant idea from last year. We are going to preach through Christmas at the movies. I will be preaching from Spirited, the one-year-old Will Ferrell instant Christmas classic. Next week, Rena's going to preach through the best Christmas pageant ever, which I've never seen. And then Becca Buncher, our youth and children's pastor who was just up here, is going to wrap us up with a message on Klaus with a K, which I have also never seen. Can't wait to hear about these new ones. And of course, each week what we're going to do is connect these classics to the Bible, and we will do our best to show how those passages work themselves out in our real lives. Uh, to start off, I want to ask a couple questions about your own response to Christmas. Who here is a Christmas lover? I love Christmas. Christmas is the best. A shockingly large number of people, both services, less at the second service. Who here is a Christmas hater? Bah humbug. One, two, three, four, three, four and a half-ish. Okay, a little bit more than first service. Who here is in the middle? I suspect most of us, to some degree, are actually a little bit in the middle. For most of us, Christmas is a season of tension. We have the joy of gift-giving and the challenge of finding time to buy all these gifts and make sure we get the right ones for the right people. Then you have the Christian heart of our holiday, smacked in the face with rampant commercialism 24-7 everywhere we go. That started in September. I didn't see anything in August yet, but I'm sure by the time I have grandchildren, we'll be in August. We have beautiful hymns and Christian music, including One Star, written by Justin Law, our recently departed worship pastor. I love that song. And then there's a multitude of secular Christmas music, including the worst Christmas song of all time by She Who Shall Not Be Named, All I Want for Christmas Is You. All right. I am great. Brad is shaking his head. He's the biggest Mariah Carey lover I've ever met in my entire life. And he's here just to stare me down while I deliver this portion of the message. I am super grateful for all the years that my experience of Christmas has been centered firmly in Christ. I love the years where there's joy in giving and the Christmas Day dinner here at the church and where times of prayer and remembering Jesus are at the fore. Perhaps like you, I have also had a number of years where it was really hard to break through all the stuff to get to Jesus in the middle of the season. It's my hope that today, a purely secular movie, Spirited, can be a vehicle for you to connect with Jesus. This movie has few to no direct references to faith, but plenty to say that touches on matters of God's heart. The entire movie is organized around one question, am I unredeemable, which is an amazing question for a Christmas classic to ask. Is the bad stuff I've done so bad that I can never be a good person? That's the kind of question that people like me have wrestled with since time immemorial. I remember when I was nine and the weekly parent-teacher conferences that were just for me started happening and they went on for the rest of elementary school. I was always in trouble. I knew I was a terrible kid. I started a fire starters club in first grade, 
I was throwing rocks at cars and took out a windshield in second grade. The list goes on and on. And eventually I wound up in drug addiction, which I'm sure lots of adults were like, kid, if you keep it up, you're going to wind up an addict. They were right. Eventually, my miracle happened. God showed up in my room when I decided to take my life. And God held me through the night. And when I woke, I was free from addiction. And I began to hear from God and experience God's presence and love. And God lifted me out of where I was and put me on a new life path, one that has ultimately led to me becoming not just a church attender, but a pastor. And it's my full-time job, right? My life's passion. Does any of that count? when I was selling drugs and doing so many wrongs from an early age into my 20s. My grandpa struggled with the same question. He was the best man that I ever saw. He was always helping other people. He was incredibly kind and always gentle. But I heard from my aunts and uncles as a younger man, he was really angry and often violent. And it messed up the first handful of my aunts and uncles real bad. And I was so sad later in life when the nicest man I had ever met said he just hoped he could do enough good to outweigh all the wrongs he'd done, and he was pretty sure he couldn't pull it off. What if some of us are unredeemable? Has anyone ever felt that way besides me? Like, I'm just too bad, it's nice that we have a Jesus, but trust me, (laughs) I'm real bad. Shout out to the recovery crowd. Maybe we're more likely to have these feelings. Before we hear a song on the subject, and today's message is gonna be largely two musical numbers, I want to give you a summary of Spirited. So this movie starts off with Will Ferrell as the ghost of Christmas present, along with the ghosts of Christmas past and future, and a whole host of supporting cast who are never really explained. And they're putting the finishing touches on turning yet another terrible person into a good person right here in the present. And they're using the formula from A Christmas Carol, which is a George Dickens classic. The ghosts of Christmas, past, present, and future visit a terrible human being. And you show them the effect of their actions on themselves and other people. And then that terrible person has a complete change of heart and lives in a brand new way, just like Ebenezer Scrooge in Dickens' classic. Except there's a twist. Will Ferrell, the ghost of Christmas present, is actually Scrooge. Turns out Scrooge died three weeks after converting in A Christmas Carol, and he took over the job of the ghost of Christmas present, and he's been doing it for over 200 years. And through a variety of circumstances, he runs into Ryan Reynolds, who is the worst. He is a corporate salesman. He does gross opposition research on a sixth grader and ruins that kid's life, and he treats everybody he runs into like they're not even human. He's clever, he's successful, he's self-centered, and he's built his whole life on the idea that no one can ever change, therefore he's not going to change either. And the boss of all the ghosts tells Will Ferrell, you can't pick this guy because he's unredeemable. And he pulls out a file and it says, unredeemable, all caps, written right across the front. And in one of the many reverses that make this movie incredibly entertaining, Ryan Reynolds is chosen, and he discovers that the ghosts are after him for the Christmas Carol treatment. And he's not going to sit still for that. He goes on the offensive. He starts trying to learn everything he can about Will Ferrell, and he's so manipulative, he eventually does a reasonable job of convincing Will Ferrell, hey, instead of me changing, how about you retire from ghosting and take your retirement package of a watch, 
and a chance to finish life as a human because Ryan Reynolds says, I'm never going to change. But it turns out that just like my grandpa, Scrooge is not convinced that 200 plus years helping people to do good outweighs all the wrong he's done. He wants to go back to life as a human to see if he can actually good do good now, but he's deeply afraid that he's going to find out he's actually still unredeemable too. In the 200 plus history of all these Christmas ghosts, he's the only unredeemable who was ever, at least theoretically, redeemed. On that note, I think we have enough of a plot to watch a song that speaks clearly into the world of Christian faith in that time and in the Bible today. Here we go. Am I forever unredeemable? Well, why, that's preposterous. You were redeemed. I was there. But can I ever overcome all the wrongs I'm running from? That was all so long ago. You've more than made up for all that by now. Can my worst be left behind? And do I deserve to find there's a soul who could see any good in me? Or will I only ever be unredeemable? There's only one way to find out, boys. He takes his retirement right now. All right, that's enough. Back to bed. could take never stop to reckon with the ruin in my wake with all the bridges that I burned the wounds I didn't mend all the worth I thought I earned it turned worthless in the end uh, what's going on what was it for well is it possible I'm meant for something more Am I forever unredeemable? Can I be a man who breaks from a lifetime of mistakes? Can my worst be left behind? And do I deserve to find a kind of love that I can lean on every day? Or will I learn I have to stay unredeemable? Wasting your time, Jacob. Are you sure?
Younger me is so appalled at older me liking this show. I hated musicals for like ever, and they're straight up breaking into Thriller right in the middle of the action over and over in this movie. And I do love it. All right. The whole movie is built around the question of unredeemability till the very end, with a few more reversals coming. And thankfully, the movie gets the ending right. We do not actually need to wonder, is anyone unredeemable? You turn to your neighbor and say, you can be redeemed. Even that neighbor, even that one, right? The Bible is super, super clear on the main question at the heart of this movie. The most famous verse in Christianity is John 3.16. We're going to read John 3.16 through 18. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Amen? That's super good news. God's desire in sending Jesus into our world, which is the greatest act of sacrificial love in history, God's desire is to make a way for anyone and everyone to live with God forever. Even a terrible kid like me, or an angry young construction worker like my grandpa, even you. God made it possible for anybody to be redeemed simply through the work of Jesus Christ. God does not hold against you all the bad things of your past, your present, and your future God knows about these things, and God's response to these things is deep love. God's response to all those things is to send Jesus Christ, and then after Christ's resurrection, to send us the Holy Spirit to connect us to the living Jesus Christ. There is no judgment for anyone who believes in Jesus. You do not need to carry guilt or shame from your past into the present. God's forgiveness is one way we experience the love of God that's meant to transform our hearts and our lives. If you have never chosen to believe in Jesus, today is an awesome day to make that leap of faith. Today is a great day to confess faith for the first time. I'm going to pray, and you are welcome to confess that faith with me as we pray. So God, for the first time or for the thousandth time, we just come together before you and say, here we are. Take us as we are, God, and open your hand and give us whatever it is that you have for us in your hand.
We confess that you're God, we're not. And we receive your love, God. We accept your work in Jesus Christ. And we accept that it's enough. Help us to remember that it's enough, God. Amen. Now, you might say, as many of us have through the years, sure, I'm a Christian, but I've noticed I keep on doing bad things. Anybody keep on doing bad things besides me? <laughs> Does that mean we should still be worried about being unredeemable? Here's how Romans 8, 38 to 39 puts it. The Apostle Paul says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the question at the core of Spirited is, am I unredeemable? And the voice of Scripture gives a slam dunk, no, you are not. As anyone trusts in Jesus, we are saved. And as we experience God's love, we experience a power that cannot be overcome by anything in the world or above it or below it. The love of God is for you, and it is for you forever. My wife and I recently lost a friend to suicide in exceptionally tragic circumstances, and one of our other mutual friends was up late at night and really in a lot of sadness and fear because she thought maybe his suicide meant that he was unredeemable. I sent her these verses, which were apparently helpful, because that's exactly what these verses are for. They're here in Scripture to reassure us that nothing can separate us from the love of God revealed in Christ Jesus. No power, no thing in all of creation can take you out of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. Now, back to our movie, we see Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds bonding, forming a real friendship, and eventually, Ryan Reynolds kind of gets tricked into doing something good enough, and Will Ferrell's like, ha! You're going to get redeemed now. And he starts looking around, waiting for the celebration and the ghosts and the party, and it doesn't happen. And Ryan Reynolds says, no, I'm not. I've just been good to you because you've been good to me. Don't worry. I haven't changed. People don't change. And Will Ferrell's just like crushed because his whole life is geared around converting one person per year and then watching all the ripples from that one person becoming a good person for the rest of the year. And that's when Will Ferrell has an amazing idea. There's an oncoming bus in the street in front of him, and he decides, I'm going to go stand in front of that bus and see if my new friend will rescue me. And so Ryan Reynolds runs over, pushes Ferrell out of that way, and at that point, all of reality pauses, and all the ghosts show up, and we get to watch another song with a fairly surprising ending, which I'll explain afterward. No, 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 no. You just jumped in front of a bus to save someone you care about. <laughs> hey, bro. Your bro. It was just a reflex. I did We... Did I? Are you sure? We've been doing this a long time, Mr. Briggs. We're quite sure. 
Okay, then, let's get some chili! <laughs> yes! Uh, we're doing another one. Is that entirely necessary? No, it's fine. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. I used to think that I was sure of what made people tick. You strip them down right to their core and find a self-centered prick. I thought when the push came to the shove, I knew just what I'd do. I'd put me before you. But you didn't. Guess I didn't. You can be a cynic and a sinner who can only see the flaws. But even if you lost your way, you don't have to stay a lost cause. So can we do a little good? Maybe give a little more. Work a little harder than we did the day before. It only takes a little good. And some doing what you can. Taking every chance to make the choice to be a better man. So do a little good. I have spent each Christmas day obsessed with wrong and right. You thought change could only work one way. It had to happen in one night. But now you know, oh, now you know, the line of good and bad is not so clean. And what we are is something in between. It's an everyday decision. Two steps forward, one step back. But if you try to do what's right, you're on the right track. Ryan Reynolds actually lands in a dumpster, and he's dead. 
one of my favorite things about Spirited is that the protagonist, Ryan Reynolds, is unloved and unloving. But through the love of his friend, he becomes a changed man. He becomes the kind of person who can do a little good, like give up his life for his friend. And that's what we see at the end. Ryan Reynolds does die, although that's not exactly the end, but I'm not going to tell you the end because I want you to watch the movie. I know. At its core, this movie has one idea, right? It is through being loved that we learn to love. Here's how the Bible puts it in 1 John 4, starting with verse 9. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, and so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment, and this shows we haven't really experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. And so we love because of God's love. Earlier in this chapter is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, God is love, 1 John 4, 7. And so that's how we grow in the purpose of this church, loving God, loving people, and changing the world. We grow in it by experiencing the love of God. Could I get an amen? That's how we do a little good. I had mixed feelings when I was watching this movie. It's got two songs that really capture my heart. One's the big question, am I unredeemable? And the second one is do a little good. And I watch it, and it's so chipper and cheerful that I both want to murder it with an ax, and I want to go out and do a little good at the same time right? Because that's just how I'm wired. You might not be wired with the X part. That's me, okay? Um, and I don't want people coming to church on Sunday and hearing a message that your faith depends on you going out and working a little bit harder, right? But there is this passage in the Bible saying, don't give up gathering together, but instead encourage one another even more as the end of time draws nigh. And it is my hope that that song, in some small way, encourages you to go do a little good, not because you have to or because you're supposed to, but because God loves you and invites you to do a little good. Okay? I want to invite you to stand and the worship team to come back on up here, and I'll share our tips with us at this time. We always have something to read, pray, and do to put the Word of God into practice as we have received it on Sunday. I'm going to share with you those read, pray, and do's right now. Tip number one is read 1 John 4. 1 John 4 has that powerful phrase that God is love and contains lots of other stuff worth reading. Give 1 John 4 a read this week. Tip number two for prayer is a passive form of prayer. It is to accept God's love. Now, you might be wired in such a way that you want to argue with God about his love for you. God, I'm not worthy of your love. God, you have no idea the wrong things I've done. How can you love me? I'm not even sure you can. What I am inviting you to do 
is, if necessary, read the promises in 1 John 4, and then confess the truth of God back to God. God, I accept that you love me. And then just sit and receive God's love in the presence of God. Tip number three is to do a little good. And if you don't know what little good to do, pray or, you know, rent a movie on Apple. I'm sure Jesus is crying right now that I'm telling you to give movie to Apple to watch this movie, but money to Apple. But uh, nonetheless, um, it's pretty inspiring. And the idea of just doing a little good is aim at something that you can pull off. Don't go be Mother Teresa unless that's what God's inviting you to do. Uh, we're going to close with worship as we always do. The team will lead us through songs during which we get to worship and pray and offer ourselves to God. Then we'll take communion. And uh, after that, eventually the service will end and they'll let us know when the service is over. If you're on the prayer team, could you come up forward at this time? If we could get a person on each side, that would be awesome. We could use one over here if anybody's willing. Thank you, Neil. Appreciate you. Thank you, Patty. Uh, thanks, prayer folks. Uh, we encourage you to come receive prayer anytime. If you've prayed a prayer of, prayer of faith in Jesus for the first time or first time in a long time, it's a great time to have someone pray a blessing for you, for like God to do good with the confession of faith that you've just made. Come up here, let someone know, and let them pray for you. And of course, we're willing to pray for anything under the sun, and I'll lead us in prayer as we transition to worship. Uh, God, we're so grateful, um, gosh, that you have redeemed us, that we are loved, that you have demonstrated your love for us all the way down to your very son, and that we can know, every single one of us in this room, that it is your will that we live forever with you. And I pray for the people in this room who have a hard time feeling loved, God. I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit, that you would knock on the door of our heart, you would give us the faith to welcome you in. I pray that every person here could know your love this week. And of course, we want to be people of your love, God. We want to change and go out and do a little good in the world. I pray that you would empower us to do good, not from obligation or wanting to earn anything, but just in gratitude for the good you've done for us. Help us to go into the world and do a little good this week, God. Amen. Please receive prayer as God leads, and the team will let us know when we're done.